It's lights out and away we go. Welcome to the Pit Straight. I'm Jack Swansea, the host of the very podcast to which you've chosen to listen today. And joining me is once again the only American who uses WeChat, frontstretch.com indie card editor Alex Gintz. Alex, how are you? I am caffeinated, I am disgruntled, and I'm ready to ruffle some feathers. How are you, Jack? I'm well. I'm excited to hear that you're in that state because that means this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. Especially for an off week. As always, thank you to our listeners. Without you, this would be less of a podcast and more of an overproduced voice note that Alex and I make for ourselves. Um, you can follow my dear friend Alex on the Twitter at AlexGins1, myself at Jack Swansea. And you know what? We always ask you to follow us, but why not? interact with us a little bit ask alex about chinese succession politics and i don't know tell me what your favorite bollywood movie is or probably you know ask us about formula one after all this is an f1 podcast however not only do we not recap the full race on this podcast this time we don't even have a race to recap the canadian grand prix was two weekends ago by the time you're listening to this but alex and i still have opinions to share so alex pretty much after the indy 500 you and i've been getting kind of abstract and philosophical on this show and i for one have, have quite enjoyed that and i i hope you have too but it's time for us to get a little bit more grounded because this week our topic is a lot narrower in focus we are going to talk about one formula one driver and the turning point in his career at which he will soon find himself Alex Albon, driver for Williams Formula One, put in an excellent performance across the Canadian Grand Prix weekend, buoyed by new upgrades to the Williams FW45. He made Q3 for just the second time all season. The Williams team made the right strategy calls during the race, and the driver put in an incredible defensive performance, able to hold off a pack of cars, including Mercedes George Russell and McLaren's Lando Norris, to take seventh place at the checkered flag and win driver of the day. So now everyone's talking about Alex Albon. My question to you, Alex Gintz, is <laughs> where can he go from here? You know, where where can he go is nowhere but Williams until the end of at least 2024 if you believe what what ESPN has reported about his current contract with the team. Um, after that, Williams is hard to lock down in terms of where they're going to be in six months, let alone two years. You, mean, the, or, like, you mean competitively? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And but, but what is very easy to lock down is that unless something major changes, Alex Albon is clearly the number one driver in the Williams garage. And this may not be the most uh, diplomatic thing to say, but I would take being a number one driver at Williams over being stuck in the position that Albon and Gasly were in in the Red Bull camp. So uh, I genuinely believe that his career has actually found a net gain in his move to Williams after taking his year off in 2021 after the situation that he went through at uh, what was then Toro Rosso and Red Bull. Yeah, that that is kind of the elephant in the room 
uh, with with talk about Albon because when you compare him to the previous number one driver at Williams, which is George Russell, similarly dominant over teammates, especially in qualifying. But Al- when Alex Albon arrived at Williams, he'd sort of already been given that shot at a top F1 team and had kind of blown it, frankly. His 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 career is sort of just fascinating and, and almost surreal, Forrest Gumpian in a way. Because he he sort of went through the, the usual junior series, finished third in Formula 2 in 2019. That was a year that was pretty much dominated by George Russell and Lando Norris. So Albon you know, didn't have a big backer. He, he wasn't he was no longer affiliated with Red Bull at that point. So he signed to drive with Nissan in Formula E, but then was almost immediately hired by Red Bull to, to drive the, the second Toro Rosso, now AlphaTauri, partnering Daniel Kvyat. And then Albon sort of immediately set the world on fire. In, at, at, you know the extent to which one could do in a midfield car um, and I definitely would want to point to his pit lane to points in just his third career Formula One start uh, in the 2019 Chinese Grand Prix uh, which also involved a late race battle with his teammate Daniel Fiat who started from the grid like a normal driver um, and that's when I think the world sort of took notice. Red Bull certainly took notice. They'd replaced Gasly in the in the second Red Bull mm-hmm. with Albon it, halfway through his first season in Formula One. And I mean, maybe we can get into it a little bit later, the, the sort of curse of being Max Verstappen's teammate at Red Bull. But he sort of went nowhere from there uh, with the exception of a... 2020 Austrian Grand Prix that I maintain he could have won had he not had that late race contact with Lewis Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And that's, I guess, just the sort of the specter that hangs over Alex Albon in his new role as sort of a uh, not quite backmarker, maybe lower midfield guy who can really extract as much as he can out of a car to have the legacy of a flame out at what is now the best team in Formula One hanging over him all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, th- that that's a very true point. And I think that, but I think that Albon is granted some uh, for- forgiveness by the F1 community and, and not that what the F1 community thinks makes a major difference in a sport that is so um, political and cutthroat on the contracts and seat assignment side. But Red Bull has a reputation, earned or otherwise, of being a organization that very much just kind of throws their drivers in the deep end, and if they can't swim, they're left to drown. And, you know, we have to remember that um, through his season and a half with Red Bull, which, you know, to Gasly's defense is three times the amount of time that Gasly got with Red Bull, um especially across the latter half of the 2009 season, 2019 season, I'm sorry, and the first half of the 2020 season, Albon markedly matched and sometimes outperformed with Gasly's performance. And neither of those drivers are really considered to be given, have been given a fair shot at Red Bull, whether or not that's 
just the fan base being too sensitive or Red Bull genuinely being a toxic work environment. I imagine it's a mix of the two. You know, I, I genuinely don't believe that Albon is at Williams just because he has nowhere else to go. Um, at the same time, you know, if that so happens to be the case, I'm entirely non-biased here, but I'm sure there's a seat for him in IndyCar somewhere. That's <laughs> wondering when IndyCar would come up. Yeah. I certainly agree that Alex Albon is a driver worthy of a seat in Formula One. I mean, if you look at his performance in Canada, for sure, some of, some of his runs in, in the Toro Rosso and uh, I especially think of, of the performance he had put in earlier this year in Australia uh, before before crashing out early, sort of flashes of brilliance there. And then he had a, a really, really solid performance in Australia last year uh, to, to claim his first points with Williams. The, the thing is, though, obviously the 2026 regulation engine regulations change is a big question mark on the horizon um you know we'll have audi coming in honda coming back forward red bull partnership but this might just be a little bit of what's the word here um uh pessimism maybe (laughs) um that you know the last couple of times we've had major regulations changes in f1 i'm talking about 2022 and 2017 it was kind of the same same teams up front. Yeah. So although, of course, you can't guarantee, I don't know if anyone of us last year would have said Aston Martin would be doing as well as they, they are this year. I think if you're a driver, you're sort of, your silly season goal still has to be Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, or, or maybe now Aston Martin. So I guess, you know, if we were now thinking a couple of years ahead, but if you're Alex Albon, a driver whose whose stock is now suddenly on the rise, your goal has to be to put yourself in a position to replace a retiring Fernando Alonso or Lewis Hamilton. You know, that that's a very fair... I think that business and career development-wise, that's a very, very fair model to pursue. Um, the, the The problem that I see, and again... I'm not making the decisions in any of these team headquarters, so take it with a pinch of salt. There is still the fact that whether through his own fault or through the fault of Red Bull Racing or through the fault of whichever deity decided to interfere with his career at Red Bull and Toro Rosso, um, the results for Albon still aren't really there. And that may prove somewhat of a somewhat of a barrier for him to... Um, make his way into a top team especially as he you know he, he he's not ancient but the uh <laughs> the um the bar for what is considered an older racing driver has dropped considerably in the past couple of decades and by the time that his contract with williams runs out he'll be uh 28 going on 29 that being said that being said Let's not forget that although Williams hasn't fared too well in the uh, chassis and aerodynamic regulation changes that went that uh, took place in, for the 2017 and 2022 season, the last time that there was an engine change in regulations, Williams went th- through the roof. Um, in the 2013 season, Williams finished ninth in constructor standings with five points to their name for the whole season. In 2014, the start of the hybrid era, and 2015, they finished third in the constructors with 320 points in 2014 and 257 points in 2015. So it's not, uh, you know, as much as you can judge the future by the past, 
it's I wouldn't say it's wise to completely write Williams off when 2026 comes around. Well, I think an important caveat to that is that Williams doesn't build engines. They're right. uh, Mercedes customer team and mm-hmm. uh, switching. They switched to Mercedes for 2014, which was, of course, a, a hugely successful decision there. Yes. Um, and, you know, especially uh, now that Mercedes won't have to supply Aston Martin for 26, it is. It is. I, I agree with you. It's certainly possible that Williams exactly. and Mercedes, the Mercedes could make the huge competitive jump and Williams could almost ride their coattails a little bit up, up the pecking order. I but, don't see it coming, but I wouldn't advise anybody I love to bet against it. <laughs> I, I, it is a big question mark, although I, I would say, and this is maybe getting a little bit off topic, but heading into 2026, I'd bet on the established engine constructors, at least at first. Um, I don't think, I mean, Audi's certainly going to be putting a, a huge effort in to come, to come in prepared. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm saying you're going to have maybe higher expectations for Mercedes, Red Bull, Ford, and Ferrari, and, and mm-hmm. Renault, but neither here nor there um i think the irony here there there are sort of two ironies and it's the drivers that we could look for as sort of a pattern for what albon could do next and they are pierre gasly and sergio perez um the guy he replaced at red bull and the guy who replaced him at red bull <laughs> uh because i mean perez it sort of exploded onto the scene with sauber in yep. in 2012 immediately snapped up by mclaren in 2013 terrible season uh yes. coincided with with mclaren's sort of fall to the midfield but really not a good performance and he sort of had to spend the next what 2014 through 2020 re perez this is rebuilding his stock as a midfield driver of course, then we got things like the the tire whisper, or the Mexican minister of defense, all the little cutesy nicknames for Perez, and he was able to leverage that into a Red Bull drive at a, at a top team, and the the chance to you know snipe the odd win away from Max Verstappen, and then play tail gunner most of the time. Uh, and then if you look at Pierre Gasly, who was uh, similarly demoted by Red Bull, um, and did did rebuild his his stock at Alfatari, now putting in a really, really solid year, I would say, compared to his new teammate Esteban Ocon at, at Alpine. So I, I I mean I don't think either Gasly or Perez is going to end up the number one driver at a championship caliber team. And I, I don't think Albon could, even if he plays his cards perfectly. But both Gasly and Perez have Grand Prix wins. So I'm, I'm not saying, uh, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't, I don't think, I'm not, I'm not predicting it, but I, I wouldn't necessarily tell anyone I love to bet against Alex Albon retiring from his Formula One career as a Grand Prix winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I know, I know that we both hate when this happens, but I, I'm pretty tempted to agree by and large. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> um, it's, I, I, I think that the 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 elephant in the room that we're both 
kind of struggling to get around is just the fact that you know formula one in particular and we've talked about this a lot it's so selective and it's such an elite group and there's absolutely no well i shouldn't say absolutely only the sift deals in absolutes in most cases there is absolutely no mercy and you have to show up prove your point or you're gone and where wherever alex Albon's potential may have the have the capacity to lead him wherever he could make his way as a driver um as a driver at williams at a team that is very much struggling and still trying to work out its identity and its place on the on the grid um that makes every single performance he puts in that much more high stakes and that's what makes drives like he pulled off in canada this year and like his run on hard tires to the points at australia last year so so absolutely critical and you know hopefully for his sake we see a lot more of those yeah um and and just before we do have to go um i would add to that i think being in the williams in particular takes a little bit of the pressure off i mean there's still a reason that the show was called drive to survive um yes but (laughs) but the williams nobody really expects that car to be in the points for for better or for worse um and so on the days when Albon isn't able to put in a performance like he did in Canada which is i mean really just an impressively complete weekend from from the driver mm-hmm. definitely impressed me um on those days when he when he isn't putting in a performance like that when they can't get the car under him the way that he he would want no one really expects him to have to finish in the points um, and I think if you if you look at his Red Bull days, he was quite a peaky driver. Uh, more often than not, he was struggling, but then occasionally he'd put a race together and do quite well. He actually matched Verstappen in qualifying at Suzuka in 2019. The, the, being in the Williams takes some of the pressure off. I think the way that it took some of the pressure off of George Russell uh, up until the pressure to to finally score that points really started getting to Russell and he kept crashing under safety cars. <laughs> um so yeah Albon I I think we're on the same page generally uh with him of of being impressed with his driving on occasion and not really sure if he can ever overcome the stigma of his of his failure at Red Bull um, yeah, I, I genuinely, I generally agree. I have a little bit of a disagreement with the, uh, the matter of pressure at Williams, and we can go into that another time. But, you know, just all the, all the spotlight that's been on Williams as of late, and their, uh, their new team chief, James Bowles, visiting their facilities and describing some of their, some of their equipment and their facilities as 20 years out of date. You know, the shift in ownership away from the Williams family a couple years back was already uh, considered by some to be like, you know, the the final writing on the wall for the team. And I think that the fact that they've made a little bit of a resurgence and then get an appraisal like this, that is just so absolutely, even I was surprised that any team could stay on the F1 grid with technology as out of date as Vols has suggested that Williams is. Um, There's pressure in the sense that nobody expects Williams to light the grid on fire. But just as much, I think that increases the pressure because every race that Albon spends at Williams is a race that he spends 
in a car that does not match his potential and he's aware of that and that that's where i think that uh the seat under Albon could be getting very very hot maybe you think Albon's getting too hot for the seat yeah that that could be you know there might be uh, there might be some kind of mutualistic hotness going on there where uh Albon get, gets the hotter that Albon gets as a driver, the the hotter the pressure on him gets to get himself into a car worthy of him, maybe. But then we're we're drifting back into the metaverse and our 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 philosophical wormhole. <laughs> I do think I, I do think we should do a Williams episode, uh, maybe a little further along in the season, uh, because that team has a really interesting history and yes. is similarly at a sort of inflection point at, under the new ownership. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But that is the that that's our show for, for this week. Alex, uh thank you as always so much for joining the program. And and just a reminder to listeners, Alex is available on Twitter at AlexGins1. Uh I can be found at Jack Swansea and the official front stretch open wheel Twitter account at FS Open Wheel will be bringing you all the action. Uh, whenever open wheel racing does get back going uh, this week, we are, I think Alex and I both enjoying a little bit of a break. Yeah. No kidding, man. It's been, we're, 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 we're barely halfway through and it's been a long season already. And if there's one thing we know about F1 is that they're going to try to make the season even longer. And when they do, we'll have something else to talk about. Oh yes, we will. <laughs>